Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So what bucket does USF look for when they get to choosing a coach to take over their program? It, it could be a rising star. It could be a retread. There's about four buckets, but we're going to talk about what makes the most sense for USF. We'll talk about all the college football games this weekend with Matt Baker, the college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. That's coming up in just a minute. But first, a uh, couple things that were interesting involving quarterback Tom Brady over the last couple days. One, uh, he and his ex-wife, Giselle Bunchkin, and several other sports celebrities, including Steph Curry, uh, Naomi Osaka, Shaquille O'Neal, um, David Ortiz, Shohei Otani. They were part of a class action lawsuit that was filed in uh, Florida, in South Florida, on Tuesday. And uh, they are the sort of the defendants uh, in the crypto lawsuit that involves FTX founder Sam Bakeman fried and like I said, a number of these celebrities, and, and the celebrities, including Brady and his ex-wife, merely appeared in endorsements and promoting um, mostly the platform. Uh, and, and it wasn't as if um, you know they were telling people that you need to buy stock in the company, but uh, it is described in the lawsuit as a fraudulent scheme. It claims that FTX was designed to take advantage of unsophisticated investors from across the country, uh, who utilize mobile apps to make their investments. And, of course, they have filed for bankruptcy. Um, you know, F- FTX did. So I don't know how far this lawsuit's going to get because if they had sued FTX, then obviously, you know, they would have gotten a stay because they're in bankruptcy court. But you remember um, the commercials about about trades and, and um, you know, people calling and Brady was like, are you in, are you in? And... Um, that was that ad, them trying to recruit people to use the FTX platform. Um, so apparently, uh, according to the suit, uh, it'll be some time, you know, um, before anyone figures out how much money was lost. I guess they're saying, or le- the lawsuit says they lost $11 billion. Um, but again, a lot of this is, is sort of, it, it, we'll see what happens to the suit going forward, but they... Steve, you were talking before the podcast. If you start suing endorsers for the failure of companies, no one's going to endorse a company. Well, if you're successful, yeah. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, so if you, and, and I don't know the details of the suit, but if you're going to sue Tom Brady because he endorsed something, there would have to be. Uh, to me, I mean, it would have to be the company did something egregious. Not companies fail all the time. But he would also have to have a financial stake in it, not just got paid an endorsement fee. Now, I don't know right. how he was paid. Maybe, you know, is he a part owner? Is he, you know. But and it's interesting, and we were talking before, and they didn't sue FTX. But, of course, FTX is in bankruptcy, so what are you going to sue? Oh, you're, exactly. gonna, you're just going to be in line for, 
you know, pennies on the dollar of your, you know, what you're owed based through bankruptcy court. You're just right. going to be another creditor at that point. So mm-hmm. it's, like I said, I, I don't know ex- exactly. I, I didn't read the lawsuit, but what they're alleging, but because someone endorses something, unless, you know, if they're, if they're a part owner or, you know, made a ton of money because they did something fraudulent, okay, perhaps. But if it's just they were paid a fee to endorse something and do a commercial, where's the, where's, I mean, I, I realize they're the ones who put their voice to it, but where's, the, how are you blaming them for the harm? Yeah, they're calling it a fraudulent scheme as if they were, they were part of the, uh, of the scheme and the promotional aspect of it was just, you know, to lure in, uh, unwitting in- investors. But, um, uh, I don't, I don't think this will have legs. We'll see. I'm not a lawyer. I've talked to a couple about this suit, um, actually today, and they seem to think that, you know, there are some big time names involved in this in terms of the, uh, the, the attorneys and whatnot. Um, but, uh, they, they think it's a little bit frivolous, but it is something that the this court down there will have to deal with. I think it's going to go at least before, uh, before the court, uh, in the Southern district. So we'll see what they come up with. But, you know, again, Brady, his ex-wife, a lot of stars, Steph Curry, Golden State Warriors, so many, um, even like Larry David, I think is involved in this. So there's so many names out there, uh, but it's just a way to ratchet up the pressure uh, on these celebs on, you know, on the fact that a lot of people got hurt and lost money and they want to get it back any way they can. So uh, we'll see. But it was a headline, and it's something that you can read about in the Tampa Bay Times as well or on TampaBay.com. Another thing involving Brady, and this happened a couple of days ago. So every now and then, Antonio Brown, who loves to troll the Bucks and especially troll his one-time good friend Tom Brady, who pretty much pulled his career like the Phoenix out of ashes uh, after an eight-game suspension and no one else would sign him, got him to Tampa Bay. They win a Super Bowl. Got him back the next year, and then of course, um, you know the Vax card, and 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 then his meltdown and strip tease deal uh, at the Meadowlands uh, ended up getting him released. But since then, he has turned on Brady, and he has turned on a lot of the people that really were there to help him, uh, particularly uh, the Bucks quarterback. And the other day, it was bizarre. He posted a text that Brady sent him. I think it would have been. In the off season after the Super Bowl, maybe shortly after they resigned him or before, I'm not sure which, but it would have been after the Super Bowl. And I don't know if Brown's intent was, hey, I'm gonna put this out there and and you know throw some shade on Tom, but the way it was interpreted by the masses was, wow, Tom Brady's really a good friend. He's a good guy trying to trying to help somebody out here, and I that could not have been the intent by Antonio Brown. Yeah, I mean, the text was essentially Tom going, hey, man, a lot of people have put faith in you, trust in you. You you know, you, you said you were humble, you acted humble, but now you're acting yeah. crazy. And, right. and, you know, I think you need to, you know, check yourself, basically. Right. I'll, I'll read it real quickly. I mean, it's not that long. Brady just said, you know, you're demonstrating very poor decisions and poor communication to so many people who have gone above and beyond to help you. Number one, that would be Tom, right? Uh, you're acting selfish, and unfortunately, many of those people are exhausted by the erratic and unpredictable emotional behavior. That would be everybody, including the Bucks and, and Bruce Arians and everyone else. When I met you, you were humble, you were willing to learn, anxious to improve things in your life, 
in a short period of time, you have done those things and accomplished some great things. That would be the first year, winning the Super Bowl, going to live with him for a while. He, he really was. He was not a problem. He kept his nose clean. He made plays. And you were very much on the path to success long term. Unfortunately, you reverted very much back to the young, immature man that is selfish, self-serving, irrational, and irresponsible. I, for one, am disappointed in many behaviors over the past few months. You seem to have lost that humility and that APG. Forgive me, I don't know what that means. You have gone from hanging around good quality people that had genuine interest in seeing you succeed to seeing others whose lives are erratic and out of control and leading you down a negative path. Choose your friends wisely is what he's saying, right? Yeah, and I, I believe APG means all praise to God, I believe is what that means. Yeah. In that text. But when, you know, he should have had Morgan Freeman read that letter. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Here's when, a letter from Tom Brady to crazy. Yeah. When, when you're someone who your entire life has been told how great you are and only, you only get told what you want to hear. Sure. When you get criticism from a friend, mm-hmm. you think it's an insult. Mm-hmm. You think it's them being a bad friend. Right. You can disagree with criticism, but if a friend is legitimately trying to give you feedback. Constructive. He cares about yeah. you. He's taking the time to write this to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, now, Antonio can disagree with it, but to post it because you think it was an insult that he sent that to you just shows you how insulated his world has been. Yeah, it's not good. And how it's surrounding yourself only with people that tell you what you want to hear. Right, right. And that usually leads to bad things. And I can only assume that Brown thought that this would make Brady look bad, and in fact it backfired, and so much so I think he took it down. But that is sort of the mentality of, of Antonio, that you believe this guy, look at him preaching down to me, and all that. he's like, no, man, the dude, when you read it, the dude's actually you know, trying to give you good advice at the very end here, um, having, having already taken you through the fire to the bright side, and now you're slipping back. And I had heard this, you know, this is the thing, like, <clears throat> I don't want to relitigate this, but like all the whole vaccination card, and I didn't make the rules, and, and there was a lot of problems with the idea that guys, you know, whether it's business or the NFL, had to have proof of vaccination before they could do this or that. The system was bad. They had the teams collect it, send it to the you know, NFL office. There's no, there was no verification process. HIPAA was been, was a problem. Um, some of these cards are handwritten, like all this stuff, right? So, I, again, I didn't make the rules, but Antonio Brown got COVID, said he was vaccinated. Three other players turned in fake vax cards from the same uh, county. And so, you know, that all that sort of happened. But at the end of the day um, – Coaches and other people told me that even before that, Brown, when he came back the second year, was not the Brown that they saw the first year. And this is proof of that because this is around that time, um, I mean, before the time actually that the second season started, that he had changed. He had reverted back uh, to his bad ways. Um, and I think the Bucks were a little nervous about him. And, and, and frankly, they didn't sign him right away. He was involved in some litigation with uh, one of his trainers that was accusing him of sexual assault and whatnot. He settled that case. The Bucks waited two weeks, re-signed him. But at no point um, did, did Brown really seem to be the same guy he was for those eight weeks prior to that. And, in fact, when he was suspended for the three games, when he came back and he asked the Bucks to guarantee the bonuses that he may have forfeited because he didn't play, and they said no, he was in a jar. They said that dude was just a 
you know, bad attitude from, from the first day at practice. And, and so I guess they were all just sort of watching the, the time bomb go off. But everything Brady said is true. And, in fact, it ended up costing Antonio the ultimate because he did hang around with the wrong people and he did the wrong things and, and, he, and his, he wasn't um, the same guy as he had been the year before. And now he's on the outside looking in and probably always will be. But um, just interesting that he would pitch that, you know, that text this, many, uh, this much time later and think in his own mind, as you said, that this is somehow look, you know, reflect poorly on Brady when, in fact, it did just the opposite. So pretty interesting there. Before we get to Matt Baker, real quick, I uh, want you guys to remember you can lower your electric bill. Energy costs are going up, but call our folks at May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. Um, there's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Something goes wrong, next 30 years, they're going to have their guys out there fixing it. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the May difference. If you visit the Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products that conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. All those guys up on the roof doing that work, they belong to Billy May and May Electric, so uh, you know who is going to do the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances through every season. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, best time of the week. A very busy, and I mean busy, Matt Baker joins us now, uh, interrupting about 25 things he's doing at once. Um, So, Matt, uh, another week of college football, the penultimate week, I'm told, by Steve Versnick. And so we have uh, a lot of interesting games, not great matchups necessarily with state schools. One in particular, though, will be interesting, and weather might be a factor. I want to talk to you about USF. They're at Tulsa. That game is on Friday night, I guess. Um, And, of course, they're still continuing their coaching search, so we can maybe start there. You wrote a very smart piece, I thought, sort of grouping the the types of coaches that have – had success um, or that they will be looking at in terms of top assistants, uh, whether you promote uh, internal promotions, the retreads and the head coaches that we've talked about at some of the smaller programs. So just pick it up there. Like uh, there, are, there is a sort of box, right, of, of, of choices that you have. And who has had the most success of, of sort of that group? Yeah, so, so thanks for having me on. Um, so I kind of looked at four different boxes just because I was trying to see who – who has done this in the past, right? Like what, t- what mid-major programs have had success and when they did, what was the coach? Yeah. Um, so the first one, the, the one that had the most, this isn't like a statistical study. Don't take this to the bank. Um, sure. But the first thing that, that jumped out is there were a lot of what I would call top assistants or rising stars. Mm-hmm. So uh, Scott Frost, when he went to UCF, he was the uh, an assistant at Oregon and, and helped them go to the national or go to the yeah go to the national title game. Uh, Josh Heupel went uh, obviously did well at UCF after being the offensive coordinator at Missouri. A um, couple other names you would know: Mike Morvell uh, mm-hmm. was an assistant at Arizona State and then won very big at, at Memphis, uh, and Billy Napier, who was the you know obviously a big time assistant at Alabama and had a year at Arizona State. And then took over Louisiana Lafayette and, and took them to, to New Heights. 
So that's kind of was the most successful box, or I guess the box that had the most success. And that kind of tracks with what I had thought in my head, just the names that immediately came to mind. Um, the next one that had the most was internal promotions. Guys like Chris Peterson, Gary Patterson. We'll skip that just because I don't think USF is going to promote internally. There's no, I don't think there's a Chris Peterson on this. Um, the next one was the retreads, uh, which is probably not the nicest term, but you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin was one who was in there. Um, George O'Leary, uh, obviously things didn't end well for him at UCF, but he you know, took him to the Fiesta Bowl and, and, and they had a success before it fell apart. Um, and, and those are some names that we could, obviously, we've talked about in terms of potential matches. That's Dan Mullen, Scott Frost, potentially, um, Tom Allen, depending on what happens with, with the rest, the last two games at Indiana. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, I expected more success or more, yeah, more success from the, the, there's not a catchy name here, but guys who moved up as head coaches. So uh, Brian Harson went from Arkansas State to Boise State. So that that's one example of kind of moving up. Willie Taggart wasn't on this list just for the specific criteria that I use, but obviously he went from Western Kentucky to USF and, and took them to a top 25 finish. And I was a little surprised there wasn't more success just because if I had to guess right now, I think that's the direction USF goes. I do too. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, the kind of buzz is that um, they're going to, they, they want head coaching experience if possible. Yes. And the other two criteria, they, they would love to have or, or need to have a proven history of recruiting the state of Florida. And again, that makes sense because, you know, almost everybody that USF should have is probably going to come from the state of Florida. So that, that makes sense. And then I, I think they would like to have a big name, a splash hire. Um, the Venn diagram of all three is not very big, but I think that's kind of the, the ultimate wish list for the Bulls. Um, and, and if we kind of dig in a little bit more on the, the guys moving up, you know, like Willie Simmons at, at Florida A&M. He's done a really good job there, did a good job at, at Prairie View A&M, um, but he's not like a splash hire. Uh, right. Larry Scott, who is a part of you know the, the first recruiting class at USF, he's done a fine job. I, I think Howard is moving in the right direction, but that's not necessarily a splash hire either. Um, Jason Candle at Toledo is somebody that I think is going to get a good amount of traction. I have questions with him um, just because you know he, he's he's done a fine job. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, they they won a conference championship, might win the the MAC again this year, but. You know, signed the number one recruiting class in the MAC, 2017, 18, 19, 20, and 21. And I think his winning percentage since 2017 is like 56.3% or something. So what is he getting out of the guys that he's bringing in? So so I kind of put all that together, and, you know, that's kind of how I see USF search shaping up at the moment. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know that there's a front runner necessarily at this point. Uh, I think it's going to be a situation where, you know, the next couple of weeks it's going to play out just because people are uh, – there's a very high chance that the guy USF wants and hires is coaching right now. You don't see a lot of coaching moves that happen until after the regular season ends. That's right. Um, yeah, you wouldn't be talking to people if, if they're still involved in football. One guy that was – I mean, you, you know, you talk about um, sort of the top assistants and then – he became a head coach, and then now he would be considered, I suppose you would say, a retread would be Scott Frost. That's the one guy who has some name cachet that is one in this at this level, recruited well at this level. Is is you you sense any momentum for him at all? Would would this even be something he would entertain? 
I don't know that he would entertain it, Rick. Um, just because I think he's... My understanding is he would probably like to have a year off, take a gap, a gap yeah. year. Sure, um, I sure. don't know that that's going to be the case. Maybe after you know a couple months out, he's like he's itching to go back. Maybe his wife is itching to have him back. You know that that type of thing. Um, and it, there's so there's a weird factor to it too, right? Like I, I'm sure there are examples of head coach going to a, a rival not too long mm-hmm. afterward. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Mike White in basketball is the one that comes to mind, going straight from Florida to Georgia. Right. I'm sure there are other examples. I just can't think of very many of them. And yeah. is, is that a reason not to do it? No, it's it's not. It's just kind of a weird factor in there, too. Yeah, uh, truly. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Is USF uh, though uh, told you're on and play at Tulsa, and we can talk about this because I think it's going to be a factor throughout the country, especially if you live in the Northeast where they're looking at a couple feet of snow um, this weekend. But uh, it's cold in some places, and this might be one of those games. Yeah, it is. I'm looking at the weather right now. Uh, high of 35 on Friday, Ooh. low of 24. Um, oh boy, that's yeah, that's brutal for for us Floridians. Uh, go back in time an 18 year old matt living in indiana on his way to college at northwestern just outside chicago would laugh at it but i (laughs) I do think that has potential to be an issue um tulsa i never thought of as like a cold weather place but it is let let me Mm. take you on a a, my weekly random matt story here if i may um so in 2011 uh i was uh, working at the tulsa world and I had gotten a call from uh, the Tam- then St. Petersburg Times asking if I was interested in a job. And uh, I was supposed to fly down, I think it was the day after signing day. So it would have been February of 2011. Mm-hmm. Except it was a historic blizzard in Tulsa. Like mm. we could not print the newspaper at the Tulsa World. I think it was the first time since World really? War II wow. where they could not print the newspaper, couldn't get it out. Um, and it was wow. signing day, and I'm, I'm calling recruits and coaches, and somebody's like, oh, yeah, my, my coach just came here because he drives a, a four-wheel drive, big old Chevy or whatever it is, and could get the, the letter of intent and ran it back to the school to fax it in. Um, so I'm supposed to fly, and my flight gets canceled, and I get rescheduled for a day or two later, and the roads are still an absolute mess. And I'm driving this poor little fairly new Honda Civic, and I'm trying to get up these roads in Tulsa, and my car's backsliding. And the 20-minute drive should have, should have been 20 minutes. It ended up taking an hour. And eventually, oh, through the grace of God, I land in Tampa. It is 70. There is not a cloud in the sky. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm driving, you know, riding in the taxi uh, across the bridge, looking at all the palm trees on it. Okay. Yeah. I'm done. Time to go. Here I am. Um. So that's, it's going to be one of those weekends in Tulsa is the moral of the story. And USF's going to have to deal with it. They're not the only one that's going to have to deal with the cold weather. The, the Gators are going to be in for a chilly day at Vanderbilt as well. In and, Nashville, yeah. Uh, somebody kind of mentioned that to, to Billy Napier 
before his news conference really started on Monday. And he was like, yeah, I told the guys, we're not talking about the weather. We can't control it. We have nothing to do with it. We're not talking about it. End of story. So I'm just kind of curious to see how that all plays out, if it makes an impact on the game at all. It's interesting they're not going to talk about it, but they better prepare for it because those guys don't have some warm clothing. Believe me, they'll be talking about it and feeling it on the field. I mean, that's a shock for a lot of Florida kids, some of which may not have even seen snow or ice or cold weather or anything like that. So, Yeah, absolutely uh, Brian Batty, the, the USF running back, told us the other day he has never seen snow. Yeah. So uh, I don't know that it's going to be – I guess there's a slight chance of, of snow on Friday in Tulsa, but – uh, that just kind of shows you what they're dealing with. And if you're not used to it, it absolutely can be a thing. As somebody who has played in uh, his share of snow football games or, or, you know, just around the neighborhood. First time I saw it was Arkansas State. It wasn't my first year there at Thanksgiving. Got 10 inches, didn't know how to drive in it, didn't know what I was doing. The next year, I think it snowed every day uh, until after Christmas. So it was uh, it's a shock for a Florida kid, let me assure you. You don't know quite how to handle it so that'll that'll be interesting for sure so florida at vandy a team that they should handle listen um i thought it was i don't i don't know that south carolina is very good they're probably not good at all right but florida is now starting to do the things to teams that you would like to see if you're a gator fan see them do right against the the lesser teams really just kind of dominate it yeah the last couple weeks you can see it And, and remember being in jacksonville and Billy Napier said he thought the Gators turned a corner there in the second half against Georgia. Obviously, I mean, that mm-hmm. was a 22-point game, and at yeah. no point did I really think the Gators had a chance to win. But he noticed something just in how they were responding, how they were the players were coaching themselves, that type of thing, that mm-hmm. maybe we got something here. Mm-hmm. And then I think the next week against Texas A&M, where they shut the Aggies out in the second half, okay, maybe they got something. And then the way they, they came out and dominated a, a middling South Carolina team, they're, they're moving in the right direction and it's in season progress. And, you know, I, I wrote it the other day, if Billy gets this thing going and I don't know that he will, I, I'm, I'm not there yet. I just haven't seen enough, but if he does, we can look back on this, you know, past couple of weeks is the turning point mm-hmm. where they started to come together. He, the locker room, the culture, that whole thing is where he wants it in terms of right. the, the players being tighter, taking ownership, the, the staff knowing what to do, right? Because that, that, and I'm talking not just the, the coaches, but everybody else, that whole army, being able to understand what's expected. And then the recruiting, too. Uh, you know, they had, uh, they got a, a big uh, four star commit the other day. Uh, Jaden Rashada flipped from Miami to Florida, uh, yeah. you know, top 60 national recruit and quarterback, the best player in this class so far. So you can kind of, start to see how it's coming together maybe and you know th- this game against Vanderbilt no I don't think it will be close and, and, it, and it shouldn't be but it's another st- stepping stone to get them on that right path heading into a game against Florida State that I'm excited about for a change how about that yeah you got to be because Florida State's on a roll uh like butter man they've, they've won three in a row um they are looking at uh, probably another win against Louisiana, not LSU, but just Louisiana. Um, they they had a big win. I mean, they dominated Syracuse, another team that at one point was ranked and um, looked like they might have something. So Mike Norvell, I don't know who's ahead. I mean, I would think Norvell's been there longer, so he's a little bit ahead, obviously, in terms of sort of where their program is at. But you're absolutely right. Florida-Florida State's a damn interesting game now. 
And, and I am so glad to say that. I, I really am. Yeah. Um, like, you know, look, my paycheck's the same no matter how they do. I don't root for anybody. It, I don't. I don't want anybody to get hurt, and I want a good game and something to write. I, I don't really care about the rest. That's right. So it it is so good to see that they are. It, it's not again. This is not like 1996 or anything like that. Let's let's yeah. let's be realistic. But I've covered some really bad games here lately between Florida and Florida State. I mean, three of the last four have had interim coaches. The, the mm. defining moment that comes to my mind in the, the recent Florida Florida State games, uh, it was at seventeen in Gainesville. Um, Matthew Thomas, a five-star linebacker from Florida State, I think he, he picked up a fumble and was on his way into the end zone for a scoop and score, but he trips while celebrating on his way in. So he got <laughs> flagged for for taunting for celebrating a touchdown he did not score. <laughs> That, that that's just the defining moment in this in this recent history, and that that's not what it's supposed to be. So the fact that both Florida and Florida State are at least competent, I mean certainly better than that, and the fact that both of them are doing it, both of them have shown progress. I think in terms of recruiting, big picture, and also just game to game, I'm encouraged by that, and, and I'm excited for that chance to cover that. I mean said a couple weeks yeah. ago, Florida State Miami has been the one that I enjoy covering because they've all been memorable, and, and that one was a dud. So I'm optimistic that Florida Florida State's going to give me something good to watch just as somebody who enjoys watching good football. Yeah, and they, both of them have played enough good football, and there's still a heated rivalry. There's still a lot of high school kids that played for and against each other, with each other. Um, and there is really nothing like that when when, when those two teams are competitive when they're really good and they still have a ways to go. But to your point, um, that's an atmosphere that's unique. It's a rivalry, um, but you have to have, you have to have competitive football teams on both sides. And I think they have that this year. And I, I I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm not going to miss that game. I think it's going to be great. Um, another game that in the past you would say you'd circle this one is Miami at Clemson. Not so much anymore with Miami to say the very least, but you know, Clemson's still, Obviously, fighting for something, and and um, I just don't think there's going to be much of a contest. I don't think so either. Uh, you know, Miami did show a pulse last week against Georgia Tech, so give them credit for that. Although yeah. Georgia Tech is is, is not good. Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't think Miami is going to have a chance, particularly at Clemson. In which case, the, the game against Pitt the next week that's for bowl eligibility, and the right. idea of Miami missing a bowl. Yeah. Even though it is year one and injuries and all that stuff is pretty shocking. So, um, yeah. and, and let's not forget, Clemson's still in this college football playoff mix too. They are. Um, that's a. Do I think they'll they'll get in? No, but a one loss ACC champion is going to be in the discussion. So mm-hmm. they could certainly use some style points as they try and impress the committee and have a chance at going back to the playoff. One team that won't make the bowl games, uh, you just mentioned it, and it's inconceivable in many ways, especially given his salary, is Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher, uh, once ranked sixth, I think, in the nation. My, oh my, have the the bottom has fallen out in that program. It's such an enormous buyout. Matt, I don't think they can do anything, but what will they do about what's just been an abysmal season? Well, uh, I... I, I pulled it up here on my, my notepad. Uh, this idiot had Texas A&M at fifth in the country in the preseason. Um, you weren't alone, man. So, uh, well, I, I think you're right. I think they were, they were sixth in the preseason, and I had him higher than that um, yeah. because I, I, I bet on talent. 
and I bet yeah. on Jumbo. And yeah. obviously I was wrong. And for a bit earlier in this year, I thought maybe I'm just early, right? Because this 2022 recruiting class they signed was, you know, statistically the best of the modern recruiting era. So maybe I was just a little bit early, but man, I don't know. There, there. It, it's one thing to underachieve and have some some issues, but for them to be as just as bad as they've been, where like Auburn, Auburn's a shell right now. And, and give Auburn credit, especially the fans, the way they showed up at Jordan Hare the other day, um, in, in a lost season with an interim coach, says a lot about that program and its culture and the fan base and all that stuff. But it, they should not be in that situation. Certainly not at this point in Jimbo's tenure. Um, what do they do? I don't know. I don't think they can get rid of him. Um, although, I, I mean, I, I, they lose to UMass on Saturday. I guess maybe <laughs> the checks come. Uh, so I think next year is going to have to be a complete down to the studs. What did we do wrong autopsy to mm. figure out what exactly happened? And if I'm a Texas A&M fan, I'm hoping that Jimbo realizes how bad this was. Um, he has a reputation as being stubborn. We saw that at Florida State, certainly. And so I guess the hope would be that he realizes his offense is not working right now. Right. Not, not in either it's a, a failure of the, having the players or coaching them the right way, or maybe the system doesn't work anymore. And th- so that would be the hope if I'm an A&M fan, that he realizes what he's doing is completely broken and unsalvageable. And then that means almost certainly bringing in somebody to fix it. Um, maybe there's some big name, big name coordinators out there. Lord knows A and M has the money to offer somebody to two and a half million, whatever it is, and try and do it that way with just a new modern system. Heck, maybe Dan Mullen wants the job. I don't know. Um, so, so something like that to try to salvage things going forward before this thing gets even worse. If if you can go worse than rock bottom, uh, it's down there for sure. Um, you mentioned Auburn just real quickly. Um, I, and I covered the guy, never really saw him as having a coaching future. But the interim coach, of course, is one Carnell Cadillac Williams, the former Bucks, running back here for a number of years. Uh, and sometimes it's just the ding-dong, the witch is dead bouts that you get when you fire the old coach, right? But mm-hmm. any chance that Cadillac could ingratiate himself enough to say, yeah, let's stick with this guy? Beat Alabama. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think, I think beating A and M was a start, and, and if he's able to to win the Iron Bowl, yeah. look, he's beloved at Auburn, right? Like, yes, let's he be is. real. Yes, um, he is. I, I'm sure there's a couple people who are on that Cadillac Williams list. I, obviously, Bo, probably Cam Newton, um, mm-hmm. on that Mount Rushmore of just beloved figures, but he is on a very, very short list. And yeah. if he can go and beat, win the Iron Bowl. And everything that mm. that means, mm. and to, to to finish things off that way, I would absolutely think he gets a look. Um, other than yeah. that, look, he hasn't been a coach long enough to to no. warrant an SEC job in in most circumstances. But this is different. Yeah. Here's here's another here's another one. What about him at USF? I, I don't I'd like that. I don't. I wouldn't mind I that. Yeah. I, do I think it will happen? No, I don't. Probably not. But, if we if we use the criteria that I mentioned, which is head coaching experience, yes, he will have a month of head coaching experience in a very difficult situation, and he beat one of the most talented teams in the country. Rising um, uh, recruiting rising and, star, mm-hmm. 
Rising star, yes. He has recruited Florida some. Not a ton, mm-hmm. but, a, but a little bit. And yeah. I would certainly think that name resonates and will resonate to people in the Tampa Bay area. Sure. Um, both in terms of in, in living rooms and also uh, just the high schools and boosters and all that stuff. So uh-huh. I, that's a name that would definitely not have been on my radar a couple weeks ago. But yeah. after seeing what happened the other day, maybe he belongs. Yeah, maybe maybe he gets an interview or at least a phone call. That that would be a, a really interesting one. There's some national games. Just quickly, your opinions on these um, and what they might, might mean, uh, if, if anything, to the college football rankings. The rivalry out west, USC's at UCLA. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. Um, UCLA, unfortunately, screwed it up for the Pac-12 by losing to Arizona the other day. Uh, yeah, the Pac-12 can't have nice things is what it seems to be <laughs> um but you can make it look usc is still a very good team uh they're certainly a great offense and a defense that tries to play football um but usc is is in that playoff discussion and if they are able to to win out you got ucla this week in the rose bowl in a just a fantastic uniform game um then next week is notre dame and then Utah or Oregon, whoever it ends up being for, for the Pac-12 championship, that's going to be a very strong resume. And the committee, in theory, is supposed to reward teams that win their conference. So if you're looking at a one-loss USC that will have just beaten three consecutive top 20-ish opponents, uh, maybe avenge their only loss, which was a close one to, to Utah, stick that up against Tennessee, USC's got a really strong case there. Uh, they really do, and and I'm looking at Utah at Oregon and thinking, boy, was it the beginning of the season? Florida had that great win against the Utes, 29-26. Yeah, and imagine where Utah would be if that didn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. Where their only loss was was to add, add a good USC or excuse me UCLA team. If they were to win out, they'd have a chance at it. And again, it's just the Pac-12 can't have nice things. They they beat each other up in some ways and yeah. the 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 um or, again on the other side of that oregon losing to to, to washington and, and again give credit to washington huskies are a, a good team for sure michael Penix, fantastic player from tampa tons of fun to watch um but they just kind of have kept beating each other up and that's still just going to be an important one for, for for the playoff picture in terms of who's going to get the chance to to play USC and, and where that factors into the playoff mix. We need to get that 12-team playoff. Uh, real quickly, get you out on these. Uh, your Heisman uh, choices these days, uh, who's rising, who's falling, who needs to show something quickly? Yeah, um, I, I don't know about Hendon Hooker. Um, he's going to be on the list for sure. Uh, yeah. It stinks for him that the last couple of games are going to be pretty irrelevant. So yeah. a lot of voters like myself are not going to just we're just not going to have time to pay him attention. Um, sure. Caleb Williams from USC, on the other hand, he's going to be on the opposite. Where if he's able to win out in this stretch and play particularly well, he's going to get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, C.J. Stroud, I'm looking f- and, and Blake Corum, I'm looking forward to seeing them play each other uh, in, in the game in what a week and a half, and and mm-hmm. because those are two of the easily two of the ten best players in the country. Right. The other one that's important to mention is Drake May at North Carolina. Hmm. UNC we've we've forgotten about at least at least I did. I, I left him for dead for a while because they lost to Notre Dame early, barely beat right. App State like sixty five to sixty three. It just you know extremely high scoring, very weird but fun game. I I, I have UNC don't have to worry about him. 
But here they are. They've got one loss. I don't think they're in the playoff mix, but they can still win the ACC and, and make their argument. Drake May is their leading rusher, 584 yards, five touchdowns. Leading passer, 3,400 yards, 34 touchdowns. He is very much on that list of guys that deserves to be under consideration for the Heisman, and he's going to have some opportunities uh, you know, this week against a really good NC State defense. Then they've got Clemson, and then uh, after that, um, so or excuse me, Georgia Tech first, then NC State, then Clemson. So he's going to have a couple showcase opportunities to prove that he belongs on that list as well. We are uh, just, I guess, a week or so from what is usually rivalry Saturday, right, or whatever. But um, in terms of the rankings right now, I- anything surprise you about those uh, in the college football ring? They they match what Matt Baker has? Yeah, close enough. I mean, there, there's some that we can kind of quibble a little bit here and there. Um, I don't think there was anything that, that jumped out a ton. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of – and the other thing that, I was, that you always have to remember, these rankings are practice. Right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the committee proved literally the first year in 2014. I think TCU was third, beat Iowa State or whoever it was by like 40 points, 50 points, and then fell a couple spots. So <laughs> right. it, th- this is all 100% practice. I- I'm just looking at who's going to be in where Georgia is more or less a lock. Ohio State, Michigan, that winner is a lock. TCU, if they win out, it's a lock. And then who else is in there? Uh, TCU's or excuse me, Tennessee is going to be very much in that discussion. USC is going to be in that discussion. Clemson slash North Carolina is going to be in, in that discussion. And then whoever loses Ohio State, Michigan is going to be in that discussion too. And we kind of look at just gaming out scenarios. If Michigan loses to Ohio State, and they're you know normally a one loss Michigan and that team would be have a very good chance at it, but their non conference was so weak because they they ended up canceling the series with UCLA again right. top 20 team that might end up being what cost them a spot in the playoff um so mm. that's just one of these stories that i'm curious to see how it plays out in the next uh, couple weeks yeah it's, it's going to be fascinating a lot of things change really quickly in college football matt are you going to a game this weekend i am i of course i'm going to florida state louisiana lafayette um Mostly I'm there just to check on the Knowles again. I uh, haven't seen them in, in a little bit in, in person. And I, I just to really just to see how they're looking and how they're feeling and how they're thinking heading into the Gator game. Um, yeah. The other side, uh, you can always tell a little bit about a program based on what was left behind. So I'm curious to see with my own eyes what I think of Louisiana Lafayette and you're one of the post-Billy Napier era. Yeah, Billy Napier's team. That would be uh, that'll be an interesting game, and I think Florida State's got momentum right now, and I think they're going to carry that in. Them in Florida both could could have a little head of esteem going into that rivalry. It's going to be great. You can read Matt Baker in the Tampa Bay Times on tampabay.com as always. Matt, enjoy the games, man. Thanks. You got it. Thanks, Rick. Some viewing options for tonight. You got the Lightning host in Calgary, or Calgary as they say, uh, out in the uh, the West. That should be a good one. Uh, we're going to have, you know, tomorrow let's, uh, we're going to have our mailbag segment and I've got some questions, you know, we're kind of at the midway point of the buck season as well. We'll kind of tell you, uh, since we have a natural break here at the bye week, what we think, uh, they're headed and look at the remaining games on the schedule. You'd be surprised just how well the bucks could potentially do uh, down the stretch. But if you want to submit your mailbag questions, you can do that by sending them to us on Twitter at sports day TV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com 
Again, my thanks to Matt Baker for Steve Burstick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tempe Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 